Liam in, I'm going to take that Civic Center apart, and then we're all going to be over at Rodeo, woo, driving the women wild. Miami Beach, get ready. Woo. We are doing, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. But one time I wrestled a giraffe to the ground with my bare hands. I've been called the songbird of my generation by people who've heard me. Honey, do you think KFC's still open? What's up, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, coming to you from the good old LBK. And across the way, as always, is my main man, Matt Clare, holding down things in H-Town, and uh, been a little bit since we've done a podcast, and uh, you know, a lot of part of that is just kind of the summer schedules and how things go, y'all know how that is, and everybody taking vacation, everybody being gone, but but guess what, fall camp is getting underway, and time to uh, kind of get back to the, back to the meat of it, I guess, you know, I mean, with, with fall camp starting this week, like I said, you kind of, for us anyway, in the media, you've kind of christened the season, and and we're ready to get rolling. So I guess uh, I guess first, man, uh, how's uh, how things going with you, Matt, down in uh, down in old Houston, and uh, what you uh, got going on here lately, man? I uh, can't complain. Uh, my baby girl's going to turn one here in two weeks. Uh, just getting ready for the birthday party and and working. Yeah, staying busy, but uh, but like you said, getting you know seeing the. Seeing that countdown go from 40 to, what, like 25, 24 now, and fall camp starting, you know, there's there's definitely uh, something in the air, you know, football's right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely is, man, and uh, I know for you, you know, being down there, you don't get to go to a lot of games, but I know you kind of try to check out, especially with it kind of being fall camp time, whenever you get some free time to, you you, kind of go around and check out some of these uh, prospects and some of these high school teams around your area so have you gotten a chance to you know go check anybody out or go look at anything yet this fall you know i i just uh got over to pearland on monday and in the past couple of days i was busy i'm actually gonna uh, go to bel-air tomorrow okay. morning and then uh get back over to manville early next week there's uh there's a scrimmage on friday night i'm gonna try to, there's a lot of different scrimmages um and, and this with weekend those, and next weekend both right yeah yeah with those I, I think i might wait until like the fridays or saturdays on those yeah. but just show up early you know check out a few things i can't stay for the whole scrimmage you know i mean there's uh there's just too much going on to to keep up with all that but uh but yeah got over to Perryland. uh there's a couple of a&m commits there's smu commit there's a uh you know, there's an under-the-radar defensive tackle there, kind of like the shorter Joe Wallace type, uh, you know, okay. certainly not Joe Wallace. But then uh, they had a 2019 kid that looked really good. I mean, just uh, just your basic fall camp stuff, you know, coaches and, you know, being the disciplinarians, kind of getting the kids ready to go. I mean, you know, just you really got the juices going for me, but for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, like you said, you know, fall camp is, is underway for uh, – you know what's funny? If I think every other school in the conference started, I think it was four or five days, maybe a week before Tech did. It was just it was a deal in the rules. I can't that they were trying to they were just they had to somewhat reason start a little bit later than everybody else. And it may have been because I think Tech's bowl game was one of the last ones for the Big Twelve. So, um, so yeah. But like I said, you know, fall camp underway and uh, had our local media day on Sunday, and that's always uh, fun. A little bit hectic. It's kind of a haze because you're because for me and for everybody there you're just kind of running through as many interviews as you can and 
uh, you know, talking to, you know, 15, 20, 25 guys, you know, coaches, players, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, got that out of the way and, and got things started. So I guess uh, before I kind of get into some, like, fall camp talk of what I've seen, I guess, uh, Matt, how much kind of our, our coverage from Sunday have you kind of got a chance to look at or read up on? And I guess what were some of the things – uh, you, you did kind of get a chance to to look at, or things that kind of stuck out to you about uh, what you kind of hear about the team, you know, going into fall camp, based off you know what we heard and just kind of what everybody else has heard. Oh well, man. Well, first off, I mean, you know, it's pretty cool that you guys got to get in there and do that. Like you said, it's it's tough getting fifteen to twenty people interviewed and, and out the door like that. But uh, I mean, overall, uh, I, I thought it was a lot of information. I liked getting to to learn more about the kids that have you know maybe been on campus a year and they're not the the new guy anymore, but but also hearing about the guys like a Stockton that's going to be coming in and, and really trying to make his own, uh, you know, own the role, if you will, right. at running back this year. Um, but also getting to hear from from guys like Cliff, uh, Coach Robinson, and, and just a few of the other guys that you know maybe we've written stories about, maybe we've talked about them, but we haven't really gotten to hear anything from them. And you know, as always, you know, you love to hear from Pat, and uh, just same, you know, it seems like the same. You know, kind of, you know, not necessarily shy, but bashful kid, you know, that uh, they, they came in from from White House. So, I mean, not a lot's yeah. changed. He's just bigger and a little more experienced. And so, you know, it's, I don't know about you. Um, you know, obviously you're right there. But I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like there's been a buzz. There's been a, you know, there's been a, you know, a bit of expectations kind of put on this team. Uh, from some of the reporting or some of the updates that have come out. And, and I know that a lot of people have been like, hey, we need to pump the brakes on that. But me personally, you know, I mean, I guess now I'm going into year four of covering the team, and, and I've certainly followed the team for several years before that. But, you know, some off seasons sometimes, you know, you get the generic updates, you get the height and weights, you get the, you know, strength and conditioning, you get the depth, you get the new faces. I mean, you get all the, the normal stuff. But, right. I mean, even I'm not even around the, the team, so I guess I should ask you. I mean, don't you feel that uh, – you know, don't you feel that that it's maybe different? Don't you feel like that uh, that there's a different type of a confidence from this group? Yeah, no, I absolutely feel like uh, I think the thing that just really sticks out to me is is from talking to all these guys compared to in the maybe even in the spring a lot or uh, you know even last season. There's obviously a lot of guys that are having to take new leadership roles with guys like uh, DeAndre and Jakeem and, and LaRaven and Castor all those guys out the door, you're kind of replacing all those guys with a bunch of newcomers, not newcomers, but guys that have kind of just kind of filled, uh, kind of role players so far. And like we said, you know, Stockton is kind of the primary example of that as far as guys that are going to have to take on a bigger load and really do a lot more things than they've done in the past. But, but yeah, the thing that's really stuck out to me and, and whether it be this last Sunday, you know, since then or media days, there's just kind of a sense of confidence, I think, with this group uh, that there hasn't been before where, I'm not going to tell you how good they're going to be, or I'm not going to tell you that you know that this is like a 10-win team or anything like that. But but I just think the way they carry themselves is pretty different, and I think a lot of that again has to do with what Rusty Wood has done in in the off-season program and the strength and conditioning part of it. But it, but that's been the thing, you know. There's always one of the thing that always comes with preseason college football talk when you talk to players and coaches is everybody always talks about how good an off-season we had, how great. You know, how exactly. much weight everybody's put on, how much, all that kind of BS that it just happens every year and, and you kind of learn how to filter it out, you know, once you do this for a while and, and you kind of know what's, um, 
what's real and what's you know just just white noise and and the things that really stuck out to me were the fact that all these guys players and coaches both have have just so much whether it's been in interviews off the record whatever you know guys that I've talked to have all mentioned so much the discipline uh the tone the the men, the mentality that wit that you know coach wit and that staff have tried to really put in place and I think it's really kind of struck a chord with with everybody on this team and really changed things for the better where I, I just get a feeling that this team is mental makeup is quite a bit different than it's been in the past and and I think a primary example of, of things like that are when you look at teams like uh you know Kansas State and other places with with what they've done from a mentality standpoint and uh how you know that's helped them win I think in my opinion you know more games than what you might consider their talent level to be so so yeah I, I just think that there's a lot of good things going on from that perspective on my end of things and, and that's I think that's what you're kind of alluding to that you kind of feel like right too yeah I mean I guess you know there's just I I don't know how to describe it but you know just from the players and just from covering seasons past and I mean I feel like there's just the right combination of of experience uh but not you know not senior experience not not all big 12 experience just the the right of, the right amount of talent and the right amount of youth to know uh, to not know any better, right? To not talk themselves out of, you know, not beating a, a really good team, you know? So I just think that... And I think uh, that's a good thing, though. I don't think yeah, that's a bad thing. No, exactly. And so I just think that that could be the right mix. And yeah, and another thing you get is when you do talk to these coaches, you know, everything right now is wide open. Everything uh, right now is competition. Well, we know that's not true. Um, you know, now numbers-wise and need-wise, we may know that at certain positions. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of these coaches know who they're looking at. They know who's going to get the, the playing time. And, you know, they, they know who, you know, what their defense looks like for the most part. Um, you know, these guys have been working behind the scenes. But, you know, we'll see. That's the exciting part to me is, you know, you've been there. So I'd like to get your idea right. on, you know, first off, we cover recruiting. So the new guys, you know, how do they look and, and what did you see from them? You know, we could we could start there. But ultimately, just some of your observations from being out there and, and seeing these guys in action. I think I think the first thing about this fall camp, and I think you know for, from me, you know, discussing this with you before, and, you know, from, from who I kind of talked to in the offseason about, you know, where things were at, uh, you know, kind of with receiver – the the biggest surprise, or I guess the two biggest surprises that I kind of got back feedback wise were that were that first you know the thing that Cameron Batson really had really stepped up and really had a fantastic off season and kind of bloomed you know physically, uh, mentally all these kind of things where he's he's kind of taken a hold of that slot position that slot H position now that Jakeem's left he's kind of taken a hold of that and won't let go of it. And whether he's had to get faster, whether he's had to get stronger, whether he's just kind of had to grit it out, whoever has kind of challenged him, he's kind of risen to that challenge. And I think that's been one of the really cool storylines of, of of that. And I think he's really uh, kind of established himself as that as the guy there at H. And then I think the other thing, and maybe the more surprising thing, and maybe not for you because you know this kid really well, but um, has been that I kind of had heard a little bit that maybe Jonathan Giles uh, – was kind of catching up to Ian Sadler as far as that slot Y position on the inside and might flat out beat him and, and become the starter at that position over Sadler. And, uh, you know, you always hear things in the off season, some of them true, some of them not. And I'll tell you what, man, out there at camp today, guess who was the starting Y receiver walking out of the field? It was Jonathan Giles. So 
those have been kind of the two things that really have stuck out to me as far as the offense. And um, I guess, yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask you about that too with a kid like Giles. I know you know him really well and you know, you know, his dad and you were around that program a lot. So I guess, does this surprise you at all, you know, to kind of see him kind of blossom and really kind of seem like he's, you know, kind of coming to the forefront? Not at all, man. I mean, you know, regardless of talent, he's just a good kid and, you know, he's motivated and uh, you, you saw that being around him. And I think you've seen that. Um, he's one of the first people, even as a true freshman, out of the tunnel dancing. And, you know, now all these kids, every, now the norm is when you get an offer, you you post a picture of the tech logo and the stadium and some other pictures, right? And you put emojis. I mean, that's just, you know, yeah. what it is. Well, number nine's right in the front of that, yeah, and he's yes, dancing yeah. and showing things. So that's just who he is, you know. And and I think if you've ever been around him or you met him, you know, he, he's uh, he's just a people person. But um, I, I also think that he takes the football thing just very seriously, like two completely different people on and off the field. And uh, you know, I saw that covering him out of high school. But he played quarterback, and he was just always making a play. I remember, you know, if 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 I could, you know, put a term to it, he would. He would make the press box, you know, uh, perk up because yeah, from up yeah. there you could see him running around doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So I think going into year two of focusing just on playing wide receiver and, you know, maybe call it the right time to, to have an opportunity to secure a spot, you know, it, it just really it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I think that out of the true freshman last year, he's the one that, that made the most happen. And whether it was opportunity or maybe trash time against some, some of the out-of-conference opponents, um, you know, say what you will, but he found the end zone uh, three times and, you know, he made some good catches and he moved the sticks a couple times. So, Absolutely, I mean, yeah. I, I think that, you know, it's more than fair to expect a lot out of him this next season. Yeah, no, absolutely is, and 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 really, this is just this wide receiving group. It's just going to be so much fun, no matter who ends up starting and kind of being the second string. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I would even really call it that there's a starting. I think there, honestly, with this team, are just kind of eight receivers that you're going to trot out there and just kind of see, you know, who kind of asserts themselves as the you know top two or three guys and. And, and and I know Eric Morris has told several people on the record, and he did. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to him um, on that on uh, that media day, but I know he told several other outlets that if he had to make a pick for the guy that's going to lead this team in receptions, his pick would be Jonathan Giles. So I mean, it's 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 just so cool to see kids like. And I know it's cool for you too, Matt. You know, and, and being in recruiting when you kind of get to know these kids and you get to see them blossom. I think for me, that's kind of the most rewarding part of doing all this. Oh, absolutely, man. And that's why I mentioned, I, I think I've written about it too. I mean, this is, you know, I'm going into three and a half, four years of doing this. And so the kids, there are some kids now that uh, were some of my first interviews that are now uh, juniors or redshirt sophomores. And so like they're, I mean, they're right in the thick of things. And so pretty neat to see those guys, I mean, all throughout the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely is. Um, and, you know, moving on, I guess, to, you, like you said, you wanted to kind of hear about some of these new guys and these young kids. Uh, the guys that, that have physically look, look the part to me, have impressed me, the first guy I'll say is Houston Miller, who that dude looks like a Big 12 defensive end. He just does, and that's where he's going to play. He's not going to play Russian. He's going to play the real deal uh, defensive end. I think him and Colin Hill and uh, I believe Zach Barnes are the three guys rotating at that spot, and obviously a guy that I, I fully expect to play this year as a depth guy for you. And know he's had several good days of practice to start out with, so I've been really impressed with him. Um, and while neither of these guys is going to play this year, I don't think, uh, we'll see. 
but both TJ Vasher and Antoine Wesley as your two freshman receivers are just two guys that whenever the team walks on the field, you see those guys because, I mean, they're both legit 6'5", 6'6", so, I mean, they're the biggest guys on the team. Mm -hmm. So uh, both those guys stick out for sure. Uh, The other newcomers I would say that really have caught my eye would be uh, your boy Jordan Brooks from down there in Houston Stratford who looks like a junior or senior linebacker already. Um, John Piccone looks great. Uh, even, you know, Brayden Stringer looks great. I, I just think that this team did such a good job. This staff, whenever you see also, when I guess whenever you see all these defensive freshmen walk out there with all their upper, all the, the older guys on the defense, they don't look out of place. They all look like they belong and they all look like uh, Big 12 defenders. So I think you really should, as of right now, before they've played a game, I think things are on track so far to say that you've hit on almost all these kids as far as the defensive line, linebacker, yeah. and defensive backs. So. Well, I know it's only been three days, but but I mean, obviously we we write about and we talk about it's it's pretty easy to talk about the offense. I know you mentioned Brooks and some of the other linebackers, uh, but but what about you know we had the the JUCO uh, defensive tackle come in, and we've had some other uh, defensive linemen. You know what, seven kids from the high school yep. side come in. So uh, I know you mentioned Houston, but what about what about some of the big boys? Have, have you seen any of them so far? Uh, I've seen all those guys, uh, or I guess the guys that I've seen, because we've only we only get twenty minutes at practice, and we've gotcha. only been allowed at two practices so far. So you're kind of scrambling to kind of you know get your eye on as much as you can. Uh, and and I've seen, and and while they, none of them have played with the first or second string yet, I've seen Joe Wallace, and I've seen Clarence Henderson, uh, seen uh, I believe it was Noah Jones, and those are the three freshmen other than Houston that I've seen. Uh, walk out there and I'll tell you what all those guys looked apart and believe it or not surprise surprise old boy Joe Wallace is getting some of the hype from his teammates as far as one of these guys that's going to play right away so yeah I watched uh, that video right? I forgot who said that I think it was uh, Andre I think Andre said that uh, yeah and then, I was surprised you didn't because uh, that reminded me of the rivals camp where we were like who is this kid you know like you He's take a look at ball, it man yeah, you take a look at him you're like eh, you know maybe Maybe it's a you know he's a big guy I guess you know and then all of a sudden he's just in on he's just sacking the he's quarterback up, folks, time man, after yeah. time and they're like hey man what's uh, what's up you know what what offers do you have uh, I got uh, Tulsa and North Texas like what yeah so. and that would that would, that's that'll always and, and depending on how he works out but even now that still will be one of the funny things about how Tech kind of got in on him after that and really. Uh, kind of stole him a little bit because while you sit like you said man he's not a kid that jumps out to you uh height wise or measure you just kind of see him and he just kind of looks like every other kid at a lot of those camps and then he just kind of goes out there and rips it up i mean at rivals camp man when we saw him he was getting after some of those four star and five star offensive linemen so oh 100 percent. you never yeah. like you you watch him move and you're like how wait how do you do that <laughs> yeah it's a little it's a little physics defying but uh fun to do that um i would say what about uh, McCann? You see McCann? I haven't I haven't noticed him yet, but that's probably a lot of because in these drills, like I said, these guys are you know on the sideline on the defensive side, which is the opposite side we get to stand got on. It. So, so you can't really kind of see some of these guys. I hope, like I said, we've we, we've got you know seven eight more availabilities. Where we're going to get to kind of check out things for twenty thirty minutes at the beginning of cool. practice. So so I'll definitely be keeping keeping my eyes out for guys. Um, but I would say that that. 
as far as looks-wise and stuff like that, I think you, you feel good about where you're at with this defensive line. And right now, I, I believe the two backup defensive tackles are Broderick Washington and Mike Thomas, who's our, our, our JUCO incoming guy, uh, didn't catch who the two defensive ends were. I believe one of them is Zach Barnes, and I didn't catch the other one. But, uh, I'll, again, I'll catch all that here in the next couple of days. Um, another interesting thing, too, I thought, is uh, is Doug Coleman, who's a true freshman, is back there uh, in the mix for that punt return job. And he's one of those guys rotating in getting reps. So that would be something interesting to me to see uh, if he got that job. Cause, that's, a lot of, that's a name a lot of people aren't even going to really remember off the bat. You know, They'll tune yeah. in, and it'll say Coleman, and you know they're gonna, it's going to take a minute. But, yeah. yeah, I'm very interested to see him. Yeah, because he's a kid, one of those kids that's just an athlete. And I even asked uh, – I don't think our, our interview didn't end up recording as well as we wanted it to. But when I talked to Carl Scott about him, he said he's one of those kids that's just a Swiss Army knife of a football player where he's got the measurables and you just kind of line him up and tell him what to do and he's going to do it. And it doesn't really matter where it is. Um, so, so yeah, excited about all that. But uh, but other than that, man, I think the big the big storylines are are what we've already talked about, and then who's going to start at left guard because the first two days we've gotten to see it has been Cody Wheeler and Madison Akinanu who have been the two guys rotating in and out. But the rest of that group is is a physically imposing group. I'm telling you right now because I mean you have Balen Brown at left tackle, Tony Morales at center, uh, Justin Murphy at right guard, and Terrence Still at right tackle, and that's I mean that offensive line is as big if not bigger than the one. I think actually physically that's actually a bigger offensive line than you had a year ago. So, um, And that's the funny thing, too, I think, about the defensive line. You're starting four. Uh, some people are going to be a little taken aback because it looks like you've got a Big 12, like, legitimate defensive front four uh, now. Because I think whenever you look at Andre Pipkins and, and, and Brain Fajoko, both those guys are, you know, both those guys out of high school, I mean, were either four or five-star, you know, highly touted four-star or a five-star guy out of high school. So, I mean – Two guys you know that have some talent. So I think really excited about where things are are at with those guys. And then Colin Hill looks the part and Gary Moore looks the part. So if anything, I think you're definitely headed in the right direction on the defensive side of the ball. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, anything else you want to talk about fall camp before we kind of move on to our other stuff? No, man. I mean, I think we, we pretty much covered most everything. I mean, there's it's only been three days, so we, oh, we don't yeah, want to. Yeah. We don't want to do overkill, but a lot to talk about, and and it'll be. Uh, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm really glad that you guys are getting to get in there on a more consistent basis, and you know, take advantage of some of these opportunities, and you know, look forward just to some of the more you know some of the other observations because, I mean, some of that stuff we talk about, and it it's all. I think that's where the 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 line in the sand is. Is it all sounds great, but then the, then once you know you start to think about it, you don't. You know, there's I guess trust is a bad adjective, but but there's no real trust, you know, in that player. You know, you don't know a lot about Colin Hill other than his story and his measurables. I mean, you don't know that he's going to be able to, you know, replace the guys that left. And yeah. you know, you don't know that some of those uh younger guys are gonna take that next step or the guys getting their first opportunity are gonna make the most of it. I mean, you just there's a lot of unknowns, but the good thing is you get to start against a team like SFA who, you know, certainly nobody's going to take them for granted. But And not, you know, I mean, not, but not a good FCS team either. Well, but sure. But the point being is, is you know, uh, against a, a weaker opponent, you can get into, you know, playing your depth and playing some of your second team guys later um, and, and at least getting them some of that in-game experience and just, you know, get the jitters out, kind of learn the speed of the game a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely hope so. Absolutely that's what you hope you do to do. But, uh but we'll kind of see, and, and, and I think the thing that stuck out to, out to me, though, and it was ever since, you know, 
July when Cliff started doing these preseason interviews with, you know, whether it was at the Rangers game or media days or any national publication he's, he's gone on, every single time he said he's felt like this is the best team they've had while he's been here so far. And, I mean, you, you know enough from being around him that that's not something that he's just going to say. Right. Uh, that's, unless that's, he means it, you know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of really what caught my attention, too, is over the past couple of weeks that's that's been something – you know, that even he himself is, is answered and, you know, usually he'll, he'll use coach speak or, or, you know, not go into much detail about that. But I, I think year four, you know, what'll be interesting is, is now that I think of it, I'm going to go through the, the roster and, you know, instead of updating every, every morsel of the roster, I'm going to, I'm going to find out how many guys are left, you know, how many guys are Cliff's guys, you know, over this past three and a half to four years how many are left over from the old coaching staff? I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I think you know, it's less. I think it's less than ten. Yeah, it might be. I mean, and 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 you know, again, you know, some of your better players have been from the previous coaching staff. It's not about a talent thing or anything like that, but it's about turning over the rosters, having all the guys that that you know committed to you, committed to your vision, committed to your coaching staff, and um, it'd be just interesting to see all that come together and. Uh, you know they've created their own culture, so you got to see what comes out of that. And I think that uh, you know, obviously Kirby Hoka and the administration have, uh, you know, they, they've committed to Kingsbury long term. And you know, there's a lot going on within Texas Tech football, both from a on the field standpoint, and, and like we said, you know, kind of coming to one of these uh, cornerstones of, of hopefully what could be a, a maybe a turning around of the the program and, and putting it back in the right direction because. You know, uh, I mean, there there have been some some notable times. There's been a, a bull win, uh, but but you know, really look over the past three years, and it's 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 nothing to brag about. And you look across the state of Texas, and and you're not you know you're not really getting the job done. And you don't want you know if you're a tech fan and you're looking at it, you know you want to see you want to see something in this you know fourth year that gives you a little bit of promise that these things going in the right direction and. You know, maybe, you know, thinking about it like that, you're like wondering, hey, you know, how good of a year do I want it to be? Because I, I kind of want Pat to stay around and uh, and keep this thing going. So, yeah, there's a lot to think about, a lot to look at. But, uh, man, that's that's what makes it so exciting that football's so close. Absolutely does, man. And like you said, football is so close. And that means that we're about three weeks out from not only Tech, but the rest of the Big 12 getting things underway with their seasons whether it's you know somebody like Kansas State playing Stanford the opening weekend or or some of these other you know big matchups you got here early on in the season you know Oklahoma playing Ohio State I believe it's in week two uh, Texas playing Notre Dame and Cal so you know lots lots of really cool you know matchups opening obviously Tech out at Arizona State lots of cool stuff you're going to get to see here the first two weeks from the Big 12 so I think we just kind of wanted to go into like you said with, with only three weeks left until the season started I think everyone kind of has at least a general idea of what the expectations are for every team in the Big 12 and I think you and I just kind of wanted to you know briefly kind of run down just the Big 12 as a whole and where things are and, and who we like who we don't like just kind of the big storylines and uh I guess for you from, from from your perspective Matt what's uh I guess what are kind of the things that stick out to you maybe about the Big 12 or or some of the teams or storylines or just kind of where things are at with, with just the conference going into the year? Well, I think if you combine, you know, the the headlines of the offseason have been, you know, lately have been the Big 12 
and 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 what's wrong with it and what they can do to improve it for mm-hmm. long-term stability et cetera et cetera we won't we won't go down that rabbit hole uh, but but as that correlates to what happens on the field this next season I mean I think that'll be important there's been so much you know uh, everybody knows what happened at Baylor and all that turnover and maybe we can talk specifically to that in more detail here in a minute but just looking across the conference after Oklahoma which, you know, finished in the top four and did what they did last season. They returned Mayfield and a lot of their starters uh, back to a very talented team, so I expect them to be the, the clear front runner. But beyond Oklahoma, I mean, even if it's you were to— It's a crapshoot, yeah. Yeah, even yeah. if you were to tell me TCU or whatever else, I mean, there's something that you could say. So, okay, Kenny Hill, I mean, that's no guaranteeing. He's, and some people think you know, he's not even going to start. Like, as far as TCU insiders, they think or, Foster Sawyer is going to start. Right. So again, I mean, look, there. It's nothing. It, it, I'm not saying they're going to be, you know, just. Oh yeah, we can easily, you know, win that game. Blah blah. blah. No, I mean, I'm just saying there's no clear number two. There's no clear, you know, competitor for that top spot. So when I yeah. look at, you know, spot number, you know, Oklahoma clear number one, all due respect, and you know, believe that they're gonna, you know, be able to hold that down. But you know, looking two through ten, you know, I don't. I don't see any clear front runner for that. And so, you know, there's just a lot of change. There's a lot of turnover. And in some programs, you know, it should be some interesting years too. I mean, a lot of the same things that we're saying about Tech's offseason, oh, you know, this guy's going to be better. Oh, this young talent, oh, this. I mean, all that's all that's being multiplied like times 10 down in Austin uh, oh, yeah. where, you know, the <laughs> true freshman quarterback's going to ride in on a magic carpet and, you know, lead them to back where they – respectability and where they belong. I mean, so whatever. I mean, dude, and, and, and I'll do that, that whole thing with me. I, like there are people I, I know and guys I respect, but, but guys I know that cover, you know, Texas that have told me they think they're going to win nine or 10 games. And I just, I, I don't know how you go from a five and seven team to a nine win team in one year's turnaround when you don't where no matter how good you think he's going to be, you're probably going to try to true freshman out at quarterback you're starting a new offense. You don't have any real big-time playmakers on that offense coming back. Um, defensively, Except sure. for other true freshmen yeah, and, that's, and, you know, true sophomores. Right, and that's the whole thing. I think that there's a lot of people getting the, heart bef- the cart before the horse down there where they just expect all these guys that were true freshmen last year. I mean, year. yeah, it's that time of year, right? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, so so I don't know. I mean, that's what I mean is beyond Oklahoma, I don't, uh, you know, I don't foresee anyone just being, you know, that team. And and what's in, what's really interesting to me is every, you know, again, like I said, we could talk about it in more detail, but everybody has their opinion about Baylor. But again the kids that the the majority of the kids that weren't involved with that right that are just trying to play football and live out their dreams the, vi- the guys that kind of got are victims of all this whole exactly yeah. they're still very talented is what i'm saying now uh, do, are they going to have holes are they going to be the Baylor that that has won two uh, uh conference championships no i don't think so but but you know seth russell's very talented and he's supposedly all the way healthy you know this is a guy that was going to be taken in the first round of the draft last year or or you know even a second rounder um so that's just another talented quarterback that this defense has to face you got talented receivers and you've just i mean you've got a lot of guys coming back now now where their weaknesses are going to be is on the offense and defensive line but still like nothing about what has happened equates to oh that's going to be a much easier you know uh, a game for us to potentially win i just i don't 
believe that, you know, I mean, every team kind of has their weaknesses and, and right now, I mean, they still have a ton of talent. Yeah. And I, I think obviously that talent, like you said, starts at the skill positions on offense where you've still got, uh, Katie Cannon, you still have Johnny Jefferson, uh, you still have, uh, Lake, or excuse me, I don't know why I was saying Lake Seastrunk. That was a couple years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. still have Shock Linwood. Uh, you still have Seth Russell, but it's, it, and when you have guys that are that talented, they're going to make plays on people, plain and simple. You know, at some point, you know, they're going to score points. But I do wonder about that offensive line and, and how good they're going to be. But I, I think that's more so early on in the season because that's the thing for Tech. You play them so late in the season that they could have figured it all out by that point and, and be rolling. Yeah, right I mean, you've got – I would say that everyone in the conference from on an offensive side of the ball, maybe let's say minus a Kansas State to some extent, is running the spread them out, you know, run as many plays as and you even can. K, even K-State runs and, a lot of spread. Exactly. Yeah. They might just tuck it and run it. But, you know, yeah, they, they, they have their own – I guess they have their own, you know, machine down there. Yeah. Uh, but – you know, on offense, everybody's got the same philosophy. On defense, let's say outside of Oklahoma, TCU, and Texas, I mean, you know, the, I, I just don't see how anyone's really going to stop anyone. So it could be a crazy year in the Big 12 just to just to see some high-scoring games. And I guess as a Tech fan, I mean, that's still always going to be a concern is, you know, how do you stop some of these teams? But really outside of those three teams, I mean, if you look at Oklahoma, you know, they've got a good defense and they've got a good offense. That's why they're favored, and they've, they've been there and they've done that. TCU, you know, it, they, they have a good offense, but they don't have a, a proven – quarterback so that's a concern but I, th- I think though with the tcu offense too though they've kind of they lose a bunch of those playmakers on that offense and you're kind of starting over from scratch with that whole unit but but you still got some good coaches so again i yeah. mean i just think with that defense i mean maybe and that's maybe key, that yeah. yeah maybe that's a bigger key to to giving the offense the ball back a little bit more giving them more opportunities and i would argue the same with texas but we've talked about the you know how i mean i guess i'm i'm just pointing out is you know, where, where, you know, maybe the defense is a strength, the offense is in most part either a question or a, or a weakness. And so, you know, I just don't, you know, other than Oklahoma, I don't see another complete team. So I just, I feel like it's, it's wide open. And if you look at the schedule, you know, of course, Tech has to play, um, you know, at a conference against Arizona State. But I mean, if you just go through the games, I mean, it's not ridiculous to think that they could go, I don't know. I mean, they could be 6 0 if things go right for you early on in the season six and oh is not out of the question before you play Oklahoma and Lubbock yeah I mean that's that's exactly what I was going to say I mean if you're if you're playing these games I mean you you play everything at home except for Kansas State and, and Arizona State now both difficult games you know certainly but even if you're I mean I guess my point is even if you're you know five and one or four and two I mean that's not that's not bad. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, when we're looking at the schedule, you know, you always give Oklahoma a tough time in Lubbock. You know, I know that they're going to be really good, but, you know, crazy things happen in Lubbock. And we don't know what this team is yet. So, you know, let's say we're having this conversation in a couple of months and they're, you know, on the brink of, you know, 4-0, and 5-0 and facing West Virginia to go 6-0 and at home. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you absolutely do. And, and the one team to me – that is the biggest wild card as far as they could be really good or they could really drop off to me is Oklahoma State because yeah. I think last year 
they just kind of had one of those magic carpet ride years where they, everything kind of fell their way. Because how many close games did they play last year? You know, like I think every single game was within, if I remember right, at one point, eight or nine games in a row, they were within a score with less than like six minutes left to go yeah. in the game last year. And, and they came up, like, you know, they, they came up, you know, eight, they came up uh, positive in all those situations until they kind of ran into Oklahoma at the end of the year and just got crushed and, Right. And that, was, and that was a team that, to be honest, in Lubbock, to me, didn't impress me at all until they changed quarterbacks from Mason Rudolph to J.W. Walsh, and the offense suddenly went from not being able to move the ball against a bad defense to all of a sudden <laughs> being otherworldly. Yeah. And I think a lot of that had to do with J.W. Walsh, and, and, and Mason Rudolph is a guy that I don't think is nearly as good as a lot of other people do, and I think has gotten a lot of hype that he just clearly hasn't earned, and so that's the team to me that if they kind of figure things out on offense with their running game and Rudolph is better, they could be really, really, really good because I think they're going to have a pretty good defense. Um, but again, we'll kind of see with them. But that's kind of my my big wild card team. The team, I guess, the teams that I just the team that's kind of intriguing too at the bottom is Iowa State with Matt Campbell as the head coach there because they've been recruiting really well and I always thought that you know they were pretty good when he was at Toledo. And I think a lot of people don't realize they have some playmakers on offense at Iowa mm-hmm. State because they have a guy like Alan Lazard at receiver. They have Mike Warren at running back. Uh, they've got some some pieces back, I think, on that offensive line, if I remember right. And they've got a couple other receivers. So that's a team that I think maybe could kind of sneak up and bite some people. Not, I'm not saying they're going to be uh, maybe but a six, five or six-win team, but I still think that's a team that could bite some people. Sure. I mean, I guess the theme for me is, is I mean, and yeah, we, and we've talked about Iowa State. I, I believe they're recruiting well. And and you know putting things in the right direction, but I guess with uh, with all of these teams, there's just so much change. And as we know that every season, I mean, you think that one guy's going to be the quarterback, or or this one guy's going to be you know this linebacker or whatever, and all these people kind of emerge. So um, that's the interesting thing about fall camp. Now, knock on wood, it's only been three uh, practices, but you know everybody so far is healthy. Uh, from Texas Tech, but even around the league, I know uh, I know Texas lost a couple of receivers. I know you know just looking at college football in general, LSU lost a couple of major guys on their defensive line. So you got to just you know you got to hope for the best health wise, and and just like I said, I mean the the point is is when you look at the Big Twelve, you know it, it looks pretty wide open. These games look winnable, and right as of right now, you know those teams haven't proven that they're you know exponentially better. Um, and based on what you know that's changed in the off scene is it just gives you the uh, it just gives me if I you know I don't want to talk for everybody but it gives me the opinion that other than Oklahoma I mean I feel like you know you're you're going into that game believing that that you can win and um, you know at Kansas State is certainly difficult but you know with that being said if the best team that you play is coming to your place and you know you can give them your best shot you know right there at the middle of the season. Uh, possibly going into the thing six and zero, and all the pressure on them to to keep their you know big ranking in place. Um, you know that's that's good for the program. It's good for your your kids. I mean, it's it's good all the way around. So I mean, I know it's one game yeah. at a time, uh, but but looking at it, I mean, you got to look at you, you got to like that about the schedule. You absolutely do, and I think that's the thing that you really if you you hope if this season goes. If it goes as good as, you know, if everything falls in the right way for you and you get off to the best start you can, and let's say you're either 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, 
and that one loss is a super close loss to say West Virginia and Lubbock or you know on the road at Arizona State or or you know or at Kansas State but like a one score loss you know where you had a chance to win it late and you're five and one or you're six and zero oh with with Oklahoma coming to town you kind of have whatever you want on the table at that point whenever they come to town where where you're playing with and I, and you know we use this phrase a lot but at that point you're playing with house money against Oklahoma and Lubbock where if you win that game you kind of put yourself in the driver's seat if you really want to and obviously you've still got you're going to need five more games after that but the pressure would 100% be on them at that point if they're what everybody thinks they're going to be so uh so yeah I, th- I think you really just hope if you're tech that you can go into that game 5 and 1 or 6 and 0 oh, and if you do that can be the jumping off point for you know a really big season for you and and I think one where where and 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 I may be totally wrong on this come middle of the season or mid late season, but I just kind of get the sense that while I'm not saying this defense is going to be good, which I don't think it's going to be good, I I don't I don't think it's going to be anywhere nearly as atrocious as it was at times last year. I I still think people are going to score on you quite a bit. I still think you're going to give up yards on the ground, but just just from I think just just from what I've you know kind of heard and and some of these players they've brought in and and again like I said this is total projection by me but I I just get a feeling that I don't think it's going to be as catastrophic as it was a year ago which I mean you should expect right going into the year 2 with it with the same DC yeah I mean you would expect and like you said and and we touched on this earlier you know you, you feel good about what they have in terms of you know bodies available but you also have to I mean, you also have to be honest with yourself that you don't know what will happen with a Colin Hill and, and you don't know that a Pipkins can can necessarily stay healthy or stay in in enough game shape to you know, to, to be in it. Uh right, in some right, of these right. games where it's, you know, forty, fifty plus offensive plays. And so that's what you need. And you know, again, I, I think even beyond that you have guys that uh, really, you know, your only proven one is Fahoka, and, and he's not really proven much. He's a true freshman, uh, or he was last year. And so, you know, now it's his second season. Um, and some of these guys have accolades. Some of these guys come in as names, but, you know, they haven't done anything at Texas Tech yet. So I think that's where some of the fans stop to really start to really pump those brakes. And, you know, myself as well, I, I know that uh, these guys are making progress. And, and I know that there's some depth behind them, but even if you look at guys like Project Washington, you know, we hear great things. Um, his teammates say great things. We talk about some of these incoming freshmen, uh, but you just you you want to temper your expectations on just a little bit because, like you said, right. you're not expecting the steel curtain, but you also don't know when they're going to just let a guy run for three Hondo. You know, I mean, no, you, you, just you don't. don't. You don't. But but I just think that there's there's too many boxes you can check off as far as. You got more depth, whether they're, those guys are very good or not. You simply have more depth, and you can rotate more bodies in and out than you've been able to. Uh, you're in year two with your with all the guys that have been here for for at least two years with Coach Gibbs, uh, and I think he's you know kind of figured out this roster and, and what he needs to do with it. Obviously, you see that in recruiting, and I, I just I just get a feeling that it's just not going to be as bad as it was last year, and, and I think a big reason for that too is, and it's something that. And I know we, we kind of jump back into tech stuff, but that's fine. But uh, and a big reason for that is, and it was something that really has struck me. And it's all these defensive guys that I've talked to as far as players, and not and and not something that I have necessarily asked them to tell me. Something they've just kind of said, 
you know, without me looking for it. They've all said, you know, they feel like this defensive unit is very together and there aren't a lot of individuals trying to look out for themselves like there were last year. And that's exactly what all those kids kept saying, which I thought was just very interesting as far as uh, when you got in third and fourth quarters or you have a big touchdown and and things just kind of the bottom would seem to kind of fall out, you know, after you give up a big score or something like that. It just makes me, you know, it just makes the wheels turn a lot and you think a lot about, what kids say, and, and you do, you've done interviews long enough that you know what to pick out and what not to. When just like with coaches, when kids say things that that are meaningful or aren't meaningful, but that was just something that really has caught my attention. And the other thing, you know, along the same lines, that caught my attention is is you know Mahomes on Monday after you know their first practice. Somebody somebody asked, you know, if they thought this defense was more athletic than the one a year ago, and he said. He didn't necessarily think it was more athletic, but he said he he just thought that the players on it were a lot smarter than they've been in the past and, and understand coverages, and, and he's not able to pick them apart like he did because those guys have figured more things out. So, I don't know. You know, there's just a lot of things that add up to me that just make sense even before you see them play. And like you said, you still haven't seen them play, but there are a lot of boxes that just make sense to me, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, now we wait. Yeah, that's true. Now we absolutely wait and uh, won't have to wait much longer as we're only about, uh, I guess, yeah, about three weeks away from from first kick. So uh, speaking of Texas Tech, and and obviously you and I cover a lot of recruiting, so the last thing we kind of wanted to get to tonight was uh, your two most recent commits here in the last uh, few weeks. First off, we'll talk about Elis Trinity cornerback John Davis and, and, and just that whole deal. And a guy that uh, a guy that Tech offered after he camped with them at Ulysses Trinity back in June, and and you know Carl Scott and his staff just built a relationship with him from there, and a kid that's every bit you know six one six two and and a, and a true you know corner, and I think there's something they're very excited about, and a kid at a big time program. So I think uh, as far as for what Tech is looking for, I think he's a guy that definitely checks off all the boxes. Yeah, and it's just another, you know, another reason to continue doing satellite camps. Now you have two of your cornerbacks committed that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you certainly knew who they were, but they came out there, showed you what they could do, and showed you that they were interested in the program, got the offer, and, you know, you worked on it. Now, now John Davis didn't immediately commit, you know, similar to Fry, but, uh, you know, absolutely after that camp and then after the visit, you got the vibe that he was text to lose, and, I mean, like you said, and checks all the boxes, you know, 6'1", 175, you know, a typical frame that, that Gibbs and those guys are looking for. All these guys are above six feet, and now you have five of them committed. So you're replenishing depth there, and, 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 and yeah, I couldn't agree more. Getting into Euless Trinity after all these years of stopping in and, and offering and, and doing what you had to do recruiting-wise. First I mean, it's, kid I can remember them getting ever that I can remember but but they've always been but they've always offered their kids they've always you know been in the mix and uh, you know you look down Davis's uh, offer list and you know he's got Kansas State Minnesota uh, Utah I mean you know Utah and and Kansas State these are Minnesota play good good defense they play good defense and so you know and and he's going to camps he's earning these offers and and again you know, you start to see it every summer. Uh, you see the uh, you see the big boards start to come into effect here. I mean, coaches either either a kid they miss out on a kid because he commits somewhere, or he says, you know, hey, coach, I'm I've got this top five and I'm focused on those. Whatever the case may be, uh, something happened to where they went to the next guy, and it was John Davis, and uh, you know they landed him, and and he was digging 
what uh, Coach Scott and the guys had to say. And, you know, I think they're really excited about this guy. And I think that uh, you just look at that class altogether right now with all those defensive backs, and it's impressive, you know, what Coach Scott and, and what Coach Gibbs and those guys have been able to do in year one because you've got Beck, Fry, Curl, and Davis now, um, and, and Addison, sorry. Um, and, and I mean, and all impressive, physically impressive guys. If you've yeah. ever seen them play or you've ever, you know, watched their film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen, I've seen all of them and, and Fry, you know, I think he says six foot one sixty five, but I mean, he's still young. I mean, I, I would imagine he's still growing. I mean, I, I thought he was a little bit bigger than that and maybe we need to update it. But like, like you said, I mean, all big guys, all physically impressive, you know, and, and it's just, you know, it's good to, you know, it, it's at certain positions, you look at this recruiting class and you think offensive line, you think defensive back, you know, and you're like, man, they're done. You know, it's, it's nice. It's all done. Well, then that's the extent of the recruiting class. So, yeah. <laughs> so then you, you kind of start to really look at some other positions and, and wonder what's going to happen next. But, you know, yeah, John, John's one of these guys that's real, uh, you know, quiet, real to himself. We haven't gotten to talk with him in detail about the decision just yet, but, um, you know, I agree with everything you said. I mean, you're, you're getting into Euless Trinity. Uh, you've you've got some inroads there now, and you're going to continue to try to get guys like a John Davis because uh, you know it'll be he'll be interesting to see what he does on a team like that during a senior season. Yeah, and uh, the thing that's really become very interesting to me here over the last the last month and a half or so, and a guy that I think very quietly is becoming one of the best recruiters on this staff is Carl Scott, and he's done it in six, seven months because you talk to any of these kids that have, you know, committed and all these defensive backs have all just, you know, you know, laid heavy praise on him for how much they like him, how much, you know, they 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 see eye to eye with him, how hard he recruits them uh, without being like annoying, you know what I'm saying? How how they appreciate, you know, how hard he's trying to recruit them, and and just the energy he brings to the table, and uh, being a guy that I've gotten to meet, who's you know a guy that I believe he's still just 29 or 30, so he's he's the youngest sure. coach on youngest coach on staff, and uh, just a really uh, a guy that's very sharp, and I think gets it, and I, you know his first you know power five job, but a guy that has just kind of if you if you look at his coaching history, it's just kind of skyrocketed up through the ranks really quickly as far as you know going from FCS to being at La Tech to being at Tech, and and uh, it's just been really impressive seeing him work and just kind of seeing him grow both as as a coach and recruiter so far. No, I agree, and and uh, you know I'm, I was scrambling to try to find some names, but I know that. Uh, you know, I, I know you mentioned first power five, but you know a couple of those guys that he had at Law Tech, you know, they're guys that either were were drafted or signed as free agents, and so I just think it speaks to you know either his eye for talent or or the way that he can help coach these guys up, and and like you mentioned, he's younger and and doing a great job recruiting. I mean, I think it's I think it's a byproduct of uh, which is is why I'm surprised that it hasn't worked more for Coach Patrick. I think it's a byproduct of him working at a bigger program and knowing that, Hey, this offer might mean a lot more to some of these kids than where right. I was previously. That's not a knock on those programs. I'm just saying, you know, in terms of, you know, getting the kids attention or, or really, you know, uh, really getting them to commit or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, I think he went after some guys that, you know, ended up being top level guys, but he didn't hesitate if he'd missed on a kid or wasn't getting the love back. I mean, just kept moving on to the next one. Now, you know, compare that to a Coach Patrick, you know, we haven't seen that same type of, you know, volume or, 
or I hate to say effort, but those those offers and all that stuff, we haven't seen that yet. But I figured that would be very similar. Is you know maybe he's been recruiting guys at, at what was it South Florida or UCF, and then at North Texas. I mean, you know, now that you're in the Big Twelve, now that you're at Texas Tech, I mean, you can get in on some of these you know bigger boys in the Dallas Fort Worth Houston area. Right. You know, even going up into Oklahoma, you know, Kansas, whatever the case may be, JUCOs. I mean, I, I just feel like uh, you know. Hopefully, right, there's a, a lot more stories to come when it comes to the defensive line recruiting because right, right now, you know, you've got a new offer, but but it's pretty much crickets, Will. No, it's been crickets so far, and I agree. And and the, I guess the only thing I wonder about that is, is is summertime, you know, usually isn't kind of the big time you do defensive line recruiting because it's usually in the spring and the fall because camps aren't the best time to evaluate D-line talent, I think, because there's a lot of times that – uh, you just you don't see as many guys without the pads on, and that's kind of what I think they want to do more of, if I had to guess. Uh, and I think the only two defensive linemen he offered from the camp circuit uh, were Jarrell Cherry, who's a 2018 kid and going to be a kid that's absolutely going to blow up and be one of the biggest kids in the 2018 class and was you know kind of a no-brainer offer. Uh, and then a kid that didn't, I guess he didn't end up camping with, with Tech was uh, – and, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but it's David, is it Aneni? Is that how you say it, Matt? Yeah, you nailed it. Okay, cool. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know either. But, I'm not going to uh, say it. No, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, it's just, but but beyond that, man, that's it, man. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, you know, it's I, I only bring it up because when I write it, uh, you know, I don't want it to sound too judgmental. Because if you look through the defensive ends, you know, and I agree with you at, at you know at the evaluation time, and you know maybe getting out there to some of the high school games. I, I get that part, um, but but some of these defensive ends that are committed to other programs, a, a Mark Brown, an Ernest Brown, James Lynch, Brock Martin, uh, Deo Dangbo, Nelson and Banasor. I mean, those are guys that were you know they were they were excited about their tech offer. Uh, I think three or four of them even visited. Uh, they just decided it wasn't for them. But that's not a uh, a very good hit rate, if you will. So yeah, it's so you know gotta gotta get some more offers out there and just stay in the game, you know. Yeah, and and, and I think the thing you think is too with you said like a guy like Coach Patrick that kind of has you know a pretty impressive pedigree for a guy that's only ever right. been a, a coach at those places and as a guy that you know was an All American at Miami as a defensive lineman and is in there you know Athletic Hall of Fame so. So yeah, I mean, I think all the, the the tools and all that's there, and and I guess you'll just kind of see more of uh, maybe while that goes this fall, and and you'll kind of you'll be able to judge that more this fall. So uh, interesting to see where that goes and and uh, and where things go because I think a guy that camped with Tech that you and I are both very curious about is uh, SMU commit uh, Toby Toby Nduque, you know, because I think that's a kid that that in my opinion is probably a borderline offer, don't you think? Who was that? The yeah, the the Toby SMU Duque, commit. Yeah, yeah. no, and, and that's another kid that said George Ranch uh, with Adam Beck. And I mean, you know, borderline or not, I mean, at some point in time, um, you know, you start to see that there's six months left. And so, you know, again, I'm not pressing the panic button, but it just makes you wonder. You know, they just took seven. Uh, and and <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, so maybe they're just kind of waiting to see how this shakes out. But you know, I won't be surprised at all to see some junior college visitors, uh, as well as uh, you know, just uh, some guys that can you know make a few things happen. You know, maybe lower level guys. I'm not sure, but as I look 
around the state. I mean, a lot of those guys are committed, so they're going to have to make some things happen on that front. And, and, and the thing, too, is to think about you only have one kid on this defensive line that graduates after this year and return every other player next year. Because um, I believe Pipkins is the only guy that's going to be gone. So, uh, you're gonna, I mean, you're going to return the entire group next year, so maybe you think that you're trying to really get in on 2018 and maybe only take one or two guys in 2017. You know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe so. We'll we'll see. You know, but but you and I both know that uh, you know you got you got to get those guys, and so maybe it's no, just a matter. Of, I mean, maybe it's just a matter of time. But uh, yeah, sorry uh, to derail the, no, the, the 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 Davis conversation. But again, I mean, John Davis. I think you know, looking across the state, especially where he plays, um, and, and going against the talent that he goes against on a week to week basis, six one one seventy five. Uh, with his offer list, I mean, you, you like to add those guys. And I think you look up and down uh, the defensive backs that they have committed and you see, you know, very similar characteristics, very similar offer lists, and, and you like to see that. So, you know, so far so good for Coach Scott and, and Coach Gibbs on that front. Now it's time to uh, to move on to the DL and, and some linebackers. But, uh, you know, I'm certain that they're, they've are they got that in the works. Yep. Nope, absolutely. I'm sure they do. And uh before we get out of here, I wanted quickly to cover the the most recent commit who committed on Saturday night, and that would be uh, the first 2018 commit of the class for Tech, which is Giddings wide receiver Travion Johnson, and one that came right out of nowhere because he camped with Tech at Duncanville about three weeks ago and uh, picked up an offer last Saturday afternoon and committed upon get, receiving that offer, so uh, the first commit you get of the 2018 class, and uh, he's a really good player, good receiver. I think it was great for Tech to get on, get in on him as early as they did because going to be a guy that, in my opinion, blows up because he's a clear outside wide receiver that's 6'2", you know, 200 kind of kid that is going to be a blazer, I think, down the field on the outside, and, and that's going to be something you're going to need more of here in the next couple years. So, uh, so yeah, I like to commit and, you know, said that he loves, you know, Tech's offense, how much they throw it so much, and, uh, has been getting to know Coach Jones over the last three weeks, and, and uh, so far so good. But uh, obviously, still a year and a half away on that. One. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's my first reaction. But I had reached out. A lot of these kids have trainers, and you know, guys that they work with on the side. And and I reached out to Margin Hooks, who's a former you know NFL and uh, college receiver from from BYU, and he trains a lot of kids here in Texas, specifically in uh, you know the DFW area. And and Travion goes to train with him in Dallas every other weekend. And so um, he said this kid's going to be big time. He said he was you know obviously surprised that he went ahead and committed. Uh, but you know the, even even though he's young, and even though it may have been the you know a, a quick commitment, I mean you look and, and he's already six two, pushing six three, and. And uh, Coach Hooks told me he's closer to 200 pounds, and you saw him in person, and had even reported that you know he he had caught your attention. So uh, it's positive. I mean, we we always wonder when we're recovering this stuff. You know, you you said it. You know, his reaction was, you know, hey, I know that they have a a wide open offense, and you know they produce you know in the passing game, and and I like that. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean that's that's really what's one of the top priorities for some of these kids. So when they get those opportunities, they 
they look at it and everybody's different and, you know, maybe he said, Hey, I'm going to jump on it. So now it's up to the coaches to, to keep him on board. But, you know, we've, we've seen these early commitments and, uh, they go one of two ways. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out and, and we certainly need to, I mean, I know you talked to him, but we'll certainly get some more content on, on Travion this year. I think, uh, Giddings is a little closer to me uh, down here in Houston, so maybe I'll get and go get to get out of uh, this fall and check him out. Yeah, and, and you know the one thing you can say is if a guy like Coach Jones is on him, I mean you feel good about the pitch he's going to make for Texas Tech and and you know where things are going to you know as far as you know how you're going to have your horse in the race because I think you, you feel good about your position with him and uh, you just wonder where it goes from here, obviously, but. Uh, I- I mean, schools like, you know, when you're, we go back to, I mean, when you're finishing seven and six, when you're finishing six and seven, when you, you know, I mean, that, that's Go when, back, yeah. that's when, that's when your early commitments are just, you know, things that you monitor and they're nice to have. When you're winning and you're, you're nine, 10 wins, the early commitments are the, they're staying, you know, more often than not. So, you know, I've noticed that from covering some other schools and, and it goes, you know, both ways, but, uh, you know, a good season, more production from the offense and, you know, a step forward from a, a winning standpoint. And, and maybe that stops being uh, of a concern and it makes more kids, you know, open to making that early commitment and, and sticking to it. And then that's, I think that speaks back to, you know, going into your fourth year, uh, as the head coach and mm-hmm. then going into, you know, you're talking about a 2018 kid. I mean, then we would be talking about what sixth, seventh year of coaching, right? So, I mean, you're just, you're building on something you're building on that and you're trying to, to build talent. And, and like you said, I mean, coach, uh, coach Jones is, is a pretty good recruiter too. So, um, good to get on those kids early. And, you know, I think we'll be talking about a kid like Johnson in another year as a kid with, you know, the three offers in one day or whatever else. Right. I mean, similar, I think it'll... similarly to, uh, to our man, Jalen Rager. And yeah. you, know, you hope he doesn't go like that, but I mean, you know, similar type of situation, I'd say. Yeah, I, you know, probably so. I mean, minus the obvious uh, legacy, legacy yeah. ties and stuff like that. But yeah, again, I mean, you know, it is it is what it is right now. And and you know, you're happy to see the coaches get the quick commit. You know, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Is he the the first and uh, the the first and and first one in, uh, first one out of 2018, or Which is happens he, a lot, to right? Be I mean. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what, how does it shake out? And, and I think with 2017, it was Jack, and you know, obviously Jack's still around. So, you know, everything's good there. Right. Uh, but, and I want to say the year before, it might have even been uh, your boy DeLeon. So, you know. Uh, uh, no, oh, wait. No, no, no we might have had, uh, no, it was uh, the kid that eventually signed with Oregon from DeSoto. What was his name? The quarterback. Oh, Tristan Wallace. Tristan Wallace. No, it was. Dante Coleman. No, it's Colin Wilder. <laughs> oh, it was, oh, oh, yes, it was. You're right. So, so is he going to be a Colin, Colin Wilder slash other guy, or is he going to be you know a Dolphin or a or an Anderson? We'll see. Yeah, we will certainly see. Uh, I guess before we get out of here and wrap this but this thing up, uh, anything else you want to uh, riff on or get on? No, man, uh, just good to be back on the saddle again. Hopefully, uh, if you made it this far, I appreciate. You listening, and uh, we'll clean it up and, and get it uh, on the site more consistently over uh, the next few weeks leading up to the season. Yep, absolutely. We're definitely going to try to do that, and uh, definitely ready for the season to get here. So, uh, once again, guys, you've been listening. To, you've been listening to the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay. He's Matt Clare, and hope you guys have a great weekend. <laughs>